The views, comments, stories, and opinions shared within this podcast are our own or those of our guests and in no way represent the views of the companies, associations, or organizations that any of us may work for or represent. All stories, events, and tales shared within this episode may or may not have happened in the manner in which they were told. They may or may not have even happened at all. The details have been changed to protect the innocent and the guilty alike. This is Squawk Ident. You're listening to Squawk Ident an aviation podcast that explores the many pathways to an aviation profession, the challenges that a professional aviator can expect in today's marketplace, and we share many stories along the way. I'm your host, Aviator Tony, a professional airline pilot currently flying for a U.S. legacy airline with close to 20 years on the flight line. This is episode 76 of Squawk Ident, recorded on the 20th of April, 2021. From the Aviator Sound Studios, from somewhere in Southern California. On today's show, Aviator Tony, Rob D., and special guest Kyle Jansen discuss the importance of a good pair of aviation headphones, ditching in the surf, and cool facts about the Grumman TBM Avenger. We also explore dynamic airline strategies, the return of full-service flights, which carriers are coming back, hiring, and providing flight training education as a condition of employment. Before we get the show started, on behalf of all of us here at Squawk Ident, I wanted to give a special thank you to Mr. Juan Sosa for joining us on episode 75, Common Ground and Awkward Dynamics. We enjoy discovering how your journey has led you to a promising career in aviation. Thanks, Juan. It was a great show. Now that our pre-flight is complete, let's get ready to push off the gate and start those virtual podcast engines. Flight 76 of the Squawk Ident podcast is officially underway. To help me kick off today's show is a superb aviator and co-host. He's a former international and professional racquetball champion, a member of the 9G Club, an AMP and avionics tech, an RC aircraft commander, a boat skipper, a commercial drone operator, and currently a 737 pilot for Legacy Airline, the name we use here on the show as an alias to our employer, a U.S. mainline carrier. From his castle on the hill, where he is recovering from a heavy club volleyball schedule and hanging out in the back alley like Hank frickin' Hill, from somewhere in Flower Mound, Texas, please help me in welcoming to the show, Mr. Rob D. Rob, how the heck are you? I need more coffee and more earplugs because my ears are ringing from all those whistles and girls screaming and all those super early and wait uh, late night <laughs> late nights on, on these uh, volleyball courts man it's crazy oh i can only <laughs> imagine i mean that's a lot of uh, high frequency noise oh, you don't even know and you know the funny thing is so, the other day i was like trying to to uh argue with myself to convince myself maybe i should buy some like nice noise canceling headphones you know i I, i've been using these telex 850s now 
uh, for all you mm -hmm. aviators out there, you know, your headphones are crucial, absolutely crucial. Um, you don't want to go deaf by the time you're 50. And uh, the flight line is one of the noisiest places out there. And, you know, just the flight deck too. Yeah. the flight deck can be depending on your equipment. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, when you're in a yeah. when you're in a Cessna or a Piper and you're out there doing flight training, you buy these headphones. Usually you get something relatively inexpensive unless you you can afford a Bose or a, a really nice, you know, clarity aloft or something fancy. But um, most people buy a good pair of David Clark's or something like that. They're the cans. They call them the cans. You know, they sit on your over your ears. They're very comfortable to wear for long periods of time. And they they muffle out a lot of a noise. You don't necessarily need an A&R active noise reduction or um, uh, headphones. You could do with the the passive uh, noise reduction. Um, so those are crucial. Having a good microphone set up as well is crucial so that your co-pilot or ATC can, can hear you clearly and, and not too much wind noise is getting in there. Uh, but as you progress in your career, you tend to want to seek out lightweight headphones that are not going to hurt being on your head for a long period of time. The over-the-ear is probably the most comfortable in terms of uh, traditional headphones. They have the on the ear now. I know the that uh, David Clark, uh, the Pro X now does an over the yeah, ear. That's the one I have. Yeah, those are yeah. those are very. That's the one actually I'm considering purchasing. So if anyone from David yeah. Clark out there is interested in having me do some reviews <laughs> for you, uh, feel free to contact me at uh, aviatortony at gmail.com. Uh, but, uh, yeah, but I've been using these Telex 850s. Now, the Telex 850 look like those old Sony Walkman headphones, you know, the kind that are just like a plain light wire and they're over the ear or on the ear, I should say. The little foam pads on there. Well, yeah, I actually upgraded and got the little, the more gel okay. in the fake leather pads. So it's a little bit more comfortable, but they're very lightweight. They don't do a great job in taking out a lot of the surrounding noise, the cockpit sound uh, noise, but the Airbus is a very quiet cockpit. Um, as a matter of fact, in, in my experience, over 90% of the pilots that I fly with on a daily basis, as soon as you go through 18 or 27,000 feet, depending on what they feel comfortable with, they always look at you and go, ready to go stereo? Yeah. Or, or are you ready to go wireless? <laughs> and you're like, topless. okay. So yeah, or topless. Yeah. So you take, you, you turn the, <laughs> the speaker up on the uh, cockpit uh, speaker yeah. and you take your headphones off and hang them. And, and yeah. so now you're using the hand mic. Uh, for communications yeah. and that is more comfortable but it is by far not quieter uh, and after yeah. a long flight going through busy airspace with the speakers you know blaring in your ear it can be very fatiguing as i've mentioned many times yes. in the past now you said you have the the x pro do you have uh, the the latest one with the bluetooth and all the fancy bells and whistles yeah yeah actually i'm trying to remember i i have the uh, David Clark, uh, the pros, these sit on top of the ears. They don't go over the ears. Right. So they're, they're the smaller ones. So yeah, they're, they're active noise canceling, uh, Bluetooth. So, um, you know, when it time, comes time for a long cross country and, uh, you got recurrent, di uh, quarterly training coming up on your EFB, I Bluetooth that to my headsets and, um, you know, do some training while I'm, you know, low when it's, uh, 
you're straight and level and you're not talking to too many people. So, right. Um, and the nice thing yeah, about those that are, is those are, they cancel the, the, don't they pause the audio while you're, or they mute the audio yep. if ATC talks. So you're not going to miss a yeah, call. Yeah, mute the audio. Yeah. So there's a setting on it and you can, it's a toggle. You can turn it on and off. So um, what the default setting is it'll mute the audio of your um, audio device as you get a call over the radio. And then um, you can toggle that off and it'll just keep the, the volume at whatever volume you have, pre you have set. Yeah. Um, so if a radio call comes in, you know, you just need to have that a little louder than, <laughs> than what you're listening to. Um, so yeah, that's pretty neat too. Um, it, but yeah, they're, they're, they're not as, I have, do have a pair of clarity aloft that I use, use for the whole, the whole time I was at, uh, Sandpiper mm -hmm. and, um, 12 years at Sandpiper and those, those clarity lofts are great. And I would definitely use them again. It's just mine after 12 years. I mean, I think I've got over 10,000 hours, eight, 8,000 to 10,000 hours on those puppies. And they've uh they need a lot of maintenance yeah <laughs> so i uh knowing that the 737 was a noisy cockpit i i thought i'd invest in you know, the dc uh david clarks and th they've been really good head headsets i like you said though they they still sit on top of your head and um there's a little more weight to them than obviously the david uh than the uh, clarity lofts mm. and a little more weight to them than your telexes but the noise canceling is really good and um you know the 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 headset is uh it's built like a tank so um yeah. you know it's built to withstand the uh you know the day in and day out of 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 flying um i was going to say that uh you know the 737 is a loud airplane on some airplanes and some of them are are quieter airplanes there's we have older ones and we have newer ones the first generation ones we have they don't they have um they don't have vortex generators around the windscreen so these vortex generators on the windscreens um definitely lower the uh the the, the wind noise oh. that you experience so the newer airplanes have those vortex generators and there's a noticeable difference in the level uh level of of uh noise on the newer airplanes especially when you're you know flying up around the 7879 mm -hmm. mock speeds um, the, the, the older airplanes are just loud. I mean, it's just like, you have to yeah. keep your headsets on, but the newer ones, you can take them off and, uh, it's, it's not that loud. Uh, you can actually have a conversation and, um, yeah, it's not as fatiguing as the other one, but you know, there are some points where we'll actually take our, our headsets off on the seven three and actually talk without headsets. It's kind of nice, yeah. but as soon as you start descending and getting into the thicker air and you know, more dynamic pressure on the airplane and stuff like that, that just gets louder. So you got to put your headsets on. Yeah. And so when you start getting more radio calls too, with the descends and, you know, descend vias and all that right. fun stuff. So, right. And it's, and it's interesting that, uh, it's an essential tool yeah. to your, uh, to your, your, you know, your, your work. I mean, and you have to have a good, good headset because I mean, like you said, you're hearing, is everything. I mean, I, I spent 12 years of aircraft maintenance in the air force for fighter jets. And, um, you know, it was mandatory that you had double ear protection 
whenever you work around those jet engines Double. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so we'd wear those little foamy earplugs and that would, you know, cancel out the noise for a certain frequency range. And then we'd wear the big cans over our heads for the second set of frequencies. And um, even with that, you know, I still have tinnitus from, um, from working on those things, but wow. um, same thing working on the flight deck though. I mean, you're, you're uh, the, the constant, you know, ambient noise of the airplane and the wind noise and everything like that just, you know, will wear down your hearing. And it's also, like you said, very fatiguing. Yeah. Um, and so you can sit, sit in an airplane for four hours and do absolutely nothing <laughs> other than talking and, you know, a lot of brain work activity up there, but you know, you get to your destination and just the noise wears you down. Yeah. And that's the same thing that I've been going through at the volleyball yeah. courts with, <laughs> exactly. with my kids, you know, it's just constant whistles and yelling and screaming and it just never, it just never stops. And we're in there for like eight hours. So I tell all the other parents, you know, Hey, I'm not trying to, you know, socially distance from you guys. I'm just plugging in because I, I have tinnitus and, uh, this helps me yeah. sleep at night. <laughs> do, you, do you have the Bluetooth uh, quiet comfort headphones that you bring along with you and stuff? No, I probably should. But, you know, actually, I use the uh, the AirPods, AirPod Pros, and those work pretty good. Just put on the noise canceling. Yeah. And, um, you know, obviously those don't last that long, but uh, in between the games and stuff like that, I'll, I'll take a break, go out into the hallway and charge them up. And yeah. uh, but and then when these things die, I just bring, you know, I have my foamy earplugs with me anyway. So I'll just yeah. put those in. And I think that's how we kind of got yeah. started on this conversation is uh, I, I actually downloaded an app. It was a free app for my phone. It was a decibel reader because I was curious. I was, I was trying to argue with myself, should I go out and spend eight, nine hundred dollars on a fancy head, you know, headphones or headset for, for the cockpit. Yeah. And uh, so I, I downloaded this decibel meter. And, you know, in the Airbus, it's not that bad. Um, I don't know if I have a screenshot here, but it was basically has it been the 80s and the 70s. Yeah, I think I think it got on takeoff because I just I turned it on and left it, you know, next to my oh, okay. kit bag there. Um, I think on takeoff, it got to like 92, maybe. But okay. it was in the like yeah. low 70s. I, I was very impressed yeah. Um, yeah, by by how this work. I, I got an app called Decibel X. I mean, right now, just sitting here. I'm looking at when I'm talking about 70 decibels average, maxing at 83. Um, You're just loud. Yeah. Well, I, I've got my <laughs> studio, and so it picks up sound relatively well and blocks yeah. out a lot just naturally. Uh, but yeah, uh, interesting to see how noisy the cockpits are. Maybe uh, let me know if you're interested. Maybe we can do a little comparison between the 7.3 and the and the yeah, Airbus. Yeah, that's actually something I'm going to do. I'll, I'll download one of those things on my phone and, and get a reading on, hopefully I'll fly the old one, an old one to get a, a good sound reading on it. Cause those things are, uh, that, uh, actually that'd be a good idea. See if I can fly, an, we have a lot of new ones, a new 737. So I'll fly the new one. And then if I get an old one, I'll get a takeoff yeah. uh, sound reading and the, See if you can put the, the like rest the phone somewhere where it's centralized in the cockpit or up on the on the glare shield. Um, yeah. And, and use it in the same place right on, on each one. Well, it'd be interesting yeah. to do a little research. You hear your here first, yeah, uh, ladies neat. and gentlemen, on Squawk Ident. How noisy <laughs> is your flight deck? And if if any of the <laughs> listeners out there want to participate, by all means, uh, take a reading, do a screenshot yeah. and send it over. Email it to yeah. us. Just go to the website and uh, send us a screenshot. We'd love to see that. Yeah. But you know what? Definitely. We are very fortunate today. We are also joined 
by a returning guest and today a very special guest host uh, joining us. Very excited to welcome back a young aviator, entrepreneur, and humanitarian. He's a Texas native, a physical linguist, figure that one out, a social media director, an aircraft owner, and a new father. And I must say, with fatherhood, he's learned how to become an at-home barista. Here, he is a, a Airbus 320 family DFW-based legacy airline pilot. Please help me and welcome him back to the show, Mr. Kyle Jansen. Kyle, how are you, man? I'm doing great. How about you guys? Thanks for having me back. Oh, our no, pleasure. Kyle. Love to have Good you. To have you back. Yeah. So you know, it's been kind of crazy, and I've been keeping up with the uh, the information board you have up on on Facebook. You're you're quite the uh, the source of reliable aviation news. And it's been a while since you've been on the show. You 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 originally. Uh, we're on the very first show with you was, what was it? Episode, episode 46, all in the flying family, where we discovered all about your journey in aviation. We learned about, uh, the family Baron, um, and how that aircraft has become a symbol, uh, for the Gary Sinise foundation and for the snowball, um, Found you know foundation and all these uh, nonprofit charity organizations that your family is involved with, and I just want to say you know on behalf of all those pilots that I fly with that that know about what you've done for the community, thank you. Uh, it's just an, an honor to be able to you know have a conversation with you about that aircraft. Um, I understand that uh, you're looking to sell the airplane. What uh, sparked this endeavor? Um, we've had the airplane since, uh, 2008 and, uh, over the years, uh, we flew it, we flew it a lot. And the last, uh, three, four years, we've had, uh, two new partners that have bought into the aircraft and it just, um, hasn't been flying as much as it should be. And, uh, for what we, uh, use it for, um, uh, just time to time to move on uh, past the baton to the next pilot to uh, uh, continue uh, uh, its journey uh, with the airplane and continue to helping out the uh, Gary Sinise Foundation wherever they need the airplane and uh, um, go from there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if anyone listening is interested, um, at least at the time of this uh, publication of this episode, if they were interested in looking into your aircraft, where can they go? Uh, right now, it's currently on uh, Beach Talk. I think, I think it's beachtalk.net or beachtalk.gov or uh, uh, .com. Uh, currently on there. And uh, what Beach Talk is, it's a pretty much a forum uh, of Beechcraft products. Uh-huh. Um, excuse me. So they have anywhere from uh, singles all the way up through, uh, King years. You have people talking about problems you got for sale stuff on there. You have, um, mechanics, you had all sorts of different groups of, and that's kind of the place to go for, uh, anything beach craft related. instead of having to take it to 
text drawn to uh, uh, get worked on or uh, uh, figure out a problem. That's that's generally the first place to go uh, to get to see if anybody else has had some sort of issue or airplanes for sale. No. So right now it's currently there. And then uh, uh, right now kind of doing word of mouth um, type of thing. We're, we're trying to keep it. I wouldn't say keep uh, trying to, but um, kind of advertising it more in North Texas uh, just because a lot of the functions uh, that the uh, uh, legacy carrier puts on with the airplane uh, is here in North Texas. However, um, it would be neat to go to another uh, legacy pilot um, that uh, um, wants to get back in general aviation or is already in general aviation and uh, wants to get a step up of a single engine or uh, uh, have something you can kind of travel the the country in. So just... uh, throwing that out there yeah Hmm. and you know that that airplane turns heads every time and i love it when you post photos from from out on the flight line uh flying around when you guys get a chance to to put some hours on it it's it's a wonderful thing to to witness yes yes it is and uh i i can't even tell you when we've flown into the we call it the $200 hamburger run since it's a twin. Um, uh, how many people uh, walk up to the airplane still and kind of look at and start asking questions. And, uh, even the, the flyings that we've gone into, um, uh, seeing the emotions of people that have either lost a family member or known somebody that has lost a family member, uh, or a friend, uh, just kind of, knowing uh showing them that uh still remember uh their sacrifice and uh uh will not be forgotten so uh, it's it's a great feeling and like you said tony it's a head turner on the ramp everywhere you go and um you know may have to talk to somebody for an extra 10 minutes but uh uh, it's just kind of it's a neat story and uh um, glad to glad that we did it and uh, i guess still doing it yeah um so uh yep well, hopefully someone will uh will accept the pass of the baton and and keep the legacy going that would be fantastic yes yeah, yeah. yes well so you have you been crazy busy flying or i mean i i see the the posts have, have all you know been pictures of like charlotte and dfw and all these uh yes. big hub airports so it's packed full of people yes so i was actually TDY up to New York this month, which is a temporary duty. I was the first group of the Airbus out of 30 pilots this month. I was the most senior on the list. Um, Luckily. So you were were voluntold to go up there? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And um, uh, two things about that. It was I found out that we could drop our trips and we could do out-of-base makeup. And that's what I've been doing pretty much the whole month. I have two trips that I have to go up there for to still do unless they drop prior to the end of the month. But ah. uh, it went from five trips down to two trips, which I'm I'm okay with. And right now I'm at 96 hours for the month because there was some premium flying out of Dallas that I was able to to pick up nice. in the mix. So uh, uh, good for you. It, yeah. it couldn't be happier. And then I also found out that involuntary uh tdy um per 
our contract per the contract, uh, you can only be sent uh, within 12 month period. Um, so involuntary, they cannot send you again within 12 months. And the only time they can send you within the 12 months is if they've gone through the whole seniority list. Ah, gotcha. So with, with, uh, with all of the furloughs, uh, zero time, everybody coming back. Um, yeah, I figured that, safe. yeah, we're pretty safe on doing that. And then I also did find out in the contract that if you're involuntary TDY, you get an extra 10 and a half hours. Oh, sweet. So, yeah. So there's some little things in there that you baby and everything that, that yeah, all about. <laughs> you know, yeah. Can't, uh, can't complain too much. So, uh, yeah, we, I've been flying a lot. Um, airports have been packed, uh, Dallas, Charlotte, um, pretty much, pretty much everywhere I've been, the airports have been full. Um, yeah. the one complaint that I've had is the, uh, the airport restaurants haven't been able to keep up with the demand. So yeah. there's yeah. still restaurants that are closed and the lines yeah. are long and, uh, just trying to able to, uh, find something to eat besides yeah. our, our lovely cheese plates. For I had that experience dinner. in Charlotte the <laughs> other day. I came, I came from the overnight in Charlotte. I was at the double tree and, you know, had like a, I don't know, 10 o'clock show for an 11 o'clock flight. And, you know, I'm like, okay, we'll grab a Jersey Mike sub or something like that. And man, when, when I went, came out of the known crew member checkpoint, the lines were just ridiculous, you know, and it, it really is discouraging because now you're like almost panicking, trying to f- figure out where you're going to get something to eat. That's quick. Yeah. Um, so, well, we've said yeah. this many times on the show. Um, and, and it's something that I picked up probably a good 15 years ago, um, as a young FO, uh, over at, uh, Sandpiper, uh, I would go sometimes three, four, five, six hours without eating and just go, 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 you know, multiple short legs. And mm-hmm. I had a captain pull me aside and goes, Nope, we're on call scheduling right now. We're taking a meal break. And, and I was like, Oh no, I don't want to delay a flight. You know, I'll just, you know, I'll have some crackers. I think I have some raisins in the bottom of my kit bag. And and no, 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 no. He's like, look, if you don't eat, you're going to, your blood sugar is going to be off. Your decision-making could be off. And that's a safety to flight issue because if nothing happens and we're just putzing along and you're hungry and your stomach's crumbling no big deal. But the minute, you know, what's going to go wrong is going to go wrong. Like at the end of the day, when you're tired and if you're not a hundred percent time, yeah. If you're not a hundred percent with your mental and physical abilities, you know, something disastrous could happen because something simple could turn into something major. So your, your well-being is the most important thing, more important than being out on time, more important than, you know, everything else. So if you need to take a, a meal break, speak up, let's call crew scheduling. We're going to tell them we're taking a meal break and they'll never tell you no, because if they said no to you and then something, you know, God forbid were to happen. Now the company is liable for a tremendous amount of lawsuit potential liability. Yeah, liability. And sure. So yeah, crucial. And right now the frustration that uh, us, uh, not just pilots, but flight crews in general, flight attendants alike, are that we have these schedules. I know my schedule has definitely 
uh, been on the uptick, uh, longer days, more flights, more uh, flight time. And, and the, like, like you mentioned, some of these U.S. airports are absolutely full and, and crowded. And But the problem is a lot of the restaurants are not open because uh, coming from my previous career in retail management, you know, we, we would track numbers, sales numbers by the hour if not by the half hour. And you would always do a two or 3% margin over the previous year in order to figure everything out, what your payroll expenses are going to be, what, you know, how, how many cash registers or cashiers do you need at any given time? So it's all about profit margins. And because everything's been shut down and the travel numbers have been so low, you can't have every restaurant open. You had one or two restaurants open with minimal staff. And, you know, when the numbers coming through and the sales coming through are low, no big deal. Now that they're on the uptick, these, the man, the hospitality management of these airports in these cities need to step it up. They need to reopen. They need to have their staffing levels back on. I understand that they probably fired or furloughed a bunch of employees, and now they have to rehire again on top of trying to keep up with the demand. And that does take time. However, there's no reason why they can't be increasing their hourly sales by churning out more productivity. So, you know, it's kind of a frustration to see this, at least through my eyes, that it's a financial decision to not have every yeah. Starbucks open at, the, I mean, at minimum at the airport, you have to go, well, this one's closed. Let's walk down to the next yeah. one. Oh, that one's yeah. closed too. Let's walk down. Oh, they just closed five minutes ago because yeah. they're on limited hours. Oh, come on, man. Yeah. I need a cup of coffee. Yeah. Uh, that Starbucks <laughs> and the B concourse in Charlotte should be open all the time. I mean, that's right well, there. Bojangles is the line is out the door, you know, and P, you know, people will be out the door at Starbucks too. I mean, so. you look well, at Chick-fil-A in Charlotte, Chick-fil-A in Charlotte, if they oh. have less than a hundred people in line at any given time except for sundays uh it's like whoa there's no line let's go grab something well i'm not hungry but there's no line yeah. let's go <laughs> so yeah, yeah. That, that's the frustration thank you kyle for bringing that up i know i texted you earlier in the week yeah. saying come on this is sucks <laughs> um, and, and um, another thing with the airport food like uh charlotte the other night i was surprised because there there, there were restaurants uh, legacy care we just added uh the the late night bank um, and we just, we had a, a conversation with the controller cause the legacy carrier was the only one flying at night. And so, um, airport, the, the restaurants were open. However, um, they didn't spread out all the flights there. All the flights were one, one spot. Mm -hmm. Um, they and it seems like they were walking gate to gate, the, the food, that they need to talk to the airport said, Hey, this late, we're going to have, yeah. these are where the flights are going to be out of. So these restaurants kind of need to be open and because yeah. when you're walking gate to gate and you see one restaurant open, like, okay, something's going to be open on the other side of the airport and everything's closed. And it's like, well, what's, you know, why are we over here? If stuff's open over here and you got to right. grab something. So, and now yeah, that we're going to be, uh, starting the service of in-flight service now May 1st. We'll talk about that a little bit here in the show. Uh, that might help the situation. But yeah, I, just the other day in DFW, I was uh, in the decon course. I had 45 minutes to grab a bite to eat. And we came out of the gate and there was very little open, even though it was in the middle of the day on a 
on a Monday morning. Uh, so we just say, well, let's walk over to the other side. There, I bet you there's, you know, something there, Applebee's, something, you know, to grab a bite and take it to with us. We can eat on the way back. And everything was closed except for one or two because they were open during the day, but they had a very limited, I think it was 4 p.m. and they already started shutting down. So and yeah. then by then it's like, OK, I just burned 20 minutes walking over here and I'm walking back and but I'm not leaving until I get a bite to eat. We ended up back at the original place and it's just a waste of time. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is, a you know, what first world problems, as Rob would say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, but it's good to see that it's getting uh, there's more people traveling for sure. And, you know, I think, you know, slowly over time, things are going to open up, you know, just like we're adding services back. And yeah. It's a good feeling. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good feeling. <laughs> well, I've been like we mentioned, I've been pretty crazy busy, uh, not just with the flying. Uh, my week this week uh, had uh, some in-laws stay with us. Uh, so we had a, a house with some uh, fully vaccinated 80 year olds. Um, and you know, we had uh, a pretty good family gathering. It was pretty important that we get uh, the ants together. Um, so I ended up like I mentioned in the last show, I got my first shot. Um, listen to a podcast about this, about the vaccine, about you know COVID, what's going on uh, in our country and around the world, uh, both politically and socioeconomically, in relation to this pandemic. And I heard something that kind of sparked a change in my behavior. Right. Definition of learning. Right. Change in behavior as a result of experience. Mm-hmm. I guess it it's a faux pas to ask someone, hey, did you get your shot? Did you get your shot? Did you get your shot yet? You know, are you going to are you going to get the shot? Because, you know, we've been talking about it because it's something that is a pretty hot topic, especially on the flight deck with flight crews. And, and we're in the look at our job. We're, we're a public transportation industry. Um, we are essential yeah. workers. Uh, it may not be as high tier as all the medical professionals out there doing their part, but we're definitely in the public eye and transportation. And, and I, I, you know, Hey, what's going on? How are you? It was part of my pre-flight questions. How did you commute in all this kind of stuff? Hey, so are you going to, you going to get the shot? Or, I mean, we were talking about last episode, getting paid to get the shot. You know? um, <laughs> and then in, in this podcast that I listened to, uh, they said, yeah, that's a, uh, None of your damn business is a HIPAA. Yeah. Uh, do you ask people if they, you know, if they got the flu shot? Well, I guess you do. But do you ask people if, you know, they got their Viagra medication? No, of course yeah. not. You know, yeah. so it's funny because it almost turns into almost like a political conversation when you ask anybody about if you got your your flu shot. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, whoa, we I just just curious, you know, try to spark conversation here. <laughs> So, yeah, um, yeah, you know, it, yeah. it's up to the individual whether or not that is going to be disclosed. But I kind of yeah. I, I'm altering the way I look at it. I'm no longer putting that on the list of topics of discussion. It's kind of like yeah. the, the, th- the three things you don't talk about in the flight deck, guns, religion and politics. Um, yeah. You know, I'm going to add to that vaccinations. <laughs> sterilizations we don't talk about that (laughs) what are your thoughts on that do you guys think that uh, that's a valid thing to ask that or do you think it's it's personal and and should not be part of the narrative it it kind of depends on the individual because i mean you know pilots 
if they can get paid to go do something, they'll do it. And I, I think the only reason the legacy company put that into an agreement with the union was uh, more of a marketing gimmick. I think once everybody gets it after a certain point, they're like, we're going to pay these guys to go get a shot. And then we're going to come back on the backside of this and say, everybody's been vaccinated uh, or, or safe for this, for that, where, you know, um, yeah. but uh, you know, uh, on the flip side, um, you know, I, I, I don't care if, you know, you get a shot, you don't get a shot. As long as you, you're high, uh, you clean, you wash your hands, you don't come to work sick. You're, yeah. you're a responsible adult, which this past year, it's it's been disgusting to watch all these adults and people that have not been doing it all of a sudden starting to do it, which, you know, <laughs> that's what they teach in elementary school. So oh, uh, it's, it's just kind of been surprising that we're having to go back to the basics. And, uh, you know, I know this is a little bit more, uh, uh, complicate, uh, complex with the, the COVID, but, uh, um, you know, that's what it kind of comes down to, um, yeah. it, you know, your own personal opinion, just do what you need to do. And yeah, don't, don't use your sick time as vacation time, you know, yeah. and that's what, uh, that's what has gotten a lot of people in trouble over yeah. the years. You know, it's funny. I started this <laughs> podcast back in October of 2019. Um, and this was a topic, oh man, back in November, I think. And it's, it's hilarious. When it first started. Yeah. yeah. And we were talking about wash your damn hands, you know, or all this stuff. Yeah. I mean, we were so ahead of the game uh, back then. But yeah, it's, it's definitely yeah. been uh, a topic and that is <laughs> something on my mind uh because i use so many public restrooms you know in the airport and, uh, and i see what people do and it's like come on dude you wash yeah. your freaking hands before you come on that's I gross know. i'm not gonna shake your hand so yeah how many flus uh how many people caught the normal flu this year like two <laughs> finally yeah. but people yeah, forget amazing. and they get lazy that and, one though you know we're, we're gonna we're going back in time sure um yeah I'm sure the stats going to be all skewed now with normal flu and, you know, how many people got the flu and, you know, cause that's, that's uh, prior to the COVID, you know, that was the big, you know, yeah. uh, the big, the metric on, on, you know, who, you know, how big is this flu season going to be and right. everybody get your shot you know, right. <laughs> so. So, uh, how was fine with, uh, I saw the picture with you and chip uh, a few episodes oh, yeah. on the, their little, uh, push to talk deal it's like oh there's yeah. Rob yeah it was actually a, a, a nice surprise um as you can imagine I mean, he's a just a normal guy and he's a he's a very nice guy I mean he he sent me a text message uh before the before signing and he's like hey I'm gonna get some coffee before we before uh you know before I go to the gate you what do you want and I was like oh this is black coffee's fine with me <laughs> so um <laughs> Yeah. And then, you know, we, we greeted each other somewhere in the terminal and, you know, a few minutes of chit chat and he's a, just a, just a super down to earth kind of guy. And, you know, he was willing to answer any questions I had. And I'm, I'm kind of a dumb pilot when it comes to company stuff. I, you know, my biggest gripe to him was, or gripe or questions was like, Hey, Chip, we really need to start ser serving our passengers in the back. Cause right. you know, this, 
you know, we're doing it on a four hour flight already. Right. What's the difference in doing it on a domestic flight? And he was like, yeah, that's, it's trying, we're trying to get AFPA on board. And yeah, I was in the crew van in Denver the other day and they, four flight attendants, they were complaining about having to redo the service again because they were saying, you know, the people just leave their masks down to drink and eat the whole flight. And I'm just like, guys, at a point, we got to run an airline here. We can't, you know, if yeah. if you don't want to do it, quit, you know, go yeah. find something else yeah. to do. Um, and, you know, and I, I, I truly think, um, I truly think that these, these management guys, you know, with, and I know a lot of people don't like management or management guys, uh, the, the flight office and all that, but I, I truly do think these guys want, they're trying to run an airline and yeah. with all the, and I know you guys saw it, but with all the point to point flying that we're adding this summer, I, they're trying, they're going after the money. Yeah. They're, you know, talking to my father, I guess, uh, the old management teams, they would just leave, leave it where it was at and they wouldn't chase, they wouldn't go after, they wouldn't go yeah. after the customer base. And yeah. so, you know, that extra yeah. segment, that extra two segments going yeah, somewhere, that could yeah. be huge. And absolutely. And that, and Vasu's already said, we're not worried about Southwest. We're going to go after Delta and United. And uh, I listened to that, uh, that LaGuardia uh, uh, union thing about a week ago. And oh, I didn't hear this. And I'll the, listen. Uh, the LaGuardia chief pilots were actually on that and they were asking the question. So they, these were company guys asking him questions with the union questions and was just asking him about, you know, why are we giving up all this flying? And, you know, we, we've done it in the past and how come we're not doing that? And he came out and said, listen, we're not really, we're giving up RJ slots for, we make a lot more money doing an international. Um, we'll give up a 50 seat for a, a 300 seat airplane any day to add international routes. So in the meantime, you gotta, you gotta give and you gotta take. Yeah. Um, and he said that with the, with the London, with the London LHR flying that JetBlue was awarded, he said the only reason there, it was, it's a three month contract. So he said the only reason they got it is because the airport's down to 10% capacity right now out of London. So he said, that's the only reason they got that. But he said, we're not code sharing on, on those flights. Um, if they want to try to get in there, it's going to be very tough, especially taking a, a 321 LXR when you got a big wide body between us and British Airways. And um, besides that, he also said that we're going to start going after some of the, the smaller in trouble um carriers and inter, big international carriers with that the country zone and we're gonna we're gonna start going ahead ahead because it sounds like he wants to get into africa and start going yeah. to places that we haven't really been able to go and he he said we're going to compete with delta we're going to compete with united and we're just going to go head to head with them and uh we have the network to do it and um it was the same thing with alaska uh, with yeah. Seattle, the only way to get into Seattle is either to buy out somebody or to do a co-chair. And I, I think we're too big for another merger. So, um, yeah, totally. He said, we're, we're going to make a lot more money on the, these, these international flights. He did say that 
they're looking at making a 787 base out of both Boston and uh, uh, New York uh, as we continue to get them. And we went, mm. we changed the order from dash eights to dash nines. Uh, so he, he, he said he was excited with, you know, with all the new international stuff we're getting, you just, you need feed in order to do all the international flying. Yeah. And then, you know, New York, we're, we're too big to pull out. We're too small to, uh, make a lot of money. There. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, it's just, uh, as of now, yeah. As of right now. So, um, so basically it sounds like what we're being is very dynamic, very yeah. flexible and, yeah, plugging the holes where we can and 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 making making new ones where we where we can see some money come in and yes. that's great and that's why we're pretty right. much breaking even now I guess yeah right. cash I, flow positive so, yeah <laughs> and I and I think there's uh there's going to be an Airbus base uh, opening up in Boston at some point because they they're talking about the uh, the XLRs being strictly out of Boston Philly and New York huh. so. Um, uh, they're gonna, you know, transcon and going over the pond. Yep. So yep. they're gonna have they're gonna have to add that, and uh, along with the seven eight. Shoot, I better pull my off. I better pull my Airbus bid then. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Just kidding. So, you want to do it that, sounded, man? One leg and done. <laughs> uh, it, it, yeah. it sounded very positive. The bags into my eyes. Are you kidding? Me? <laughs> so it it sounded very positive, and I, I I did find out that a lot of those JetBlue routes out of the Northeast down to the Caribbean, we actually still own most of those routes. We just lease them back to them. Yeah. So we're making so, money off of that. Yeah. So it's not, you, you, you know, instead of us doing it, you got somebody else doing it. And, you know, yeah. I, I know and we most, talked about that in previous yeah. uh, podcasts where yeah. it's like, you know, a lot of people don't realize that when, when you co-chair, when you lease things, you know, we're making money on those routes and we're just not doing anything. Right. You know I mean? That's, that's, that's like sitting at home getting removed for a trip and getting paid and sitting at home. You know, exactly. That's, a, that's right. a bonus. There's always a you know? bigger picture here. And I think that's the, absolutely that's the lesson is, you yeah. know, we sometimes get stuck uh, in our bubble of, of flight schedules and, and contracts and, you know, how can I make the most money and, and do the least amount of yeah. work? Well, don't you think that the people that are running a multi-billion dollar international company aren't they doing the exact same thing except instead of doing it for themselves, they're doing it for the business. So there's always a bigger picture before we sit there and wave a big stick over our head saying, ah, company and management. I mean, there are times when, yeah, sure we have to do that, but, but we need to educate ourselves get that critical thinking going and, and and try to understand the big picture. And they're not going to tell you because if I gave my strategy away to every single person on the street, that's not a strategy. That's you're giving away the, well, the yeah. company secrets. Yeah. So yeah, well, we have to kind of keep things hush and um, to move forward. And yeah, it does like Rob, that was a perfect dynamic. That's that's exactly. We were talking about increasing our international market. Uh, the day I was hired, I heard that speech. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Kyle, great points. Thank you. Yeah, the uh, and also uh, adding to that, um, these management guys. Um, he said a few years ago, the the whole you know I know everybody gives crap to the flight tents about you know selling the credit card. We make over a billion dollars a year without even touching an airplane for credit card. Did you say a billion? Came out. Yep. 
So the uh, the, the yeah, he he came out and he said that a couple of years uh, right when we started, Tony. He said we came out, we started doing this credit card, and we're not even touching an airplane right now. Wow. So he's like, we're trying to find we're trying to find ways where we can make some sort of catch without even moving an airplane. And, you know, the credit card that that's why they paid off the government loans with the, uh, the credit card miles as a, the interest was a lot cheaper than the, the, the government money Two, and back in my mind, um, you know, in order to get the bonuses, which I know people are going to get pissed off about the bonuses, right? Cause that's coming. Yep. Yeah, you can't kill the golden goose, but I I I fully understand they're trying to keep yeah. the, the the pay the loans off so you yep. can pay the bonuses. Yep, they're they're gonna they're using the credit card miles to pay the government off because it's a cheaper interest rate, and so they can get their bonuses and do whatever they want. Yeah, um, and and that's the whole stipulation. Yeah, and on top of that, so why there's not? going to be an uproar on, right. on that for sure. <laughs> but on the flip side of that, the government's paying the bill through the end of this year. Yeah, and we're adding flights, as you guys know. All my flights have been full. I've had jump seaters on about every flight that I've had. Me too. Um, yeah. you know, I I don't think I've had an airplane uh, less than seventy percent full everything's yeah. been pretty much 90 100 full and even yeah. had some oversales so you know and i and i looked at uh ticket prices the other day they're not they're not 30 dollars no that's good <laughs> i looked at a vegas round trip out of dallas and it was about 600 bucks for a coach seat in the back round trip i was like okay that's watch, watch that's respectable. Watch your hands. So, oh, sorry. Sorry, I, like I keep getting. I keep getting. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm a drummer when I talk. <laughs> so, <laughs> Do it up here. You know, you, you, <laughs> we we have to be making some money um, with the ticket prices going up, and once the uh, you know once everybody has availability for the vaccine, um, the liability of all these companies will go out the door. So they're all, most of these businesses are going to start sending their employees out again because the liabilities off of their company. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to get the vaccine, it's up to each individual to get the vaccine. If you get sick, you have, there's no repercussions for the company. Yeah. It's funny. You know, we used to say that money makes the world go round. I remember, (laughs) I remember hearing that back in the eighties and nineties, money makes the world go round. You know, it's not love. It's not, you know, peace, it's money. And I always thought, wow, that's sad, but true. (laughs) And now I think what makes the world go round, yes, it's money, but what creates the keeping of that money is the reduction of liability. You know, we talk about companies not mandating that you take a virus for one it's illegal because it's not an fda approved medication yet it's only on emergency use authorization so you can't make somebody take something that's not been approved by the fda at least not in the united states and you can try uh, but legally you can't there's no precedence on that so the company like we mentioned earlier is not mandating that we take anything but they're requesting that if you feel confident in taking it, take it. 
And you know, pilots are very generally conservative. And they're like, I'm not taking something that's not FDA approved. Well, we're going to pay. You. Oh, I'll take it right away. You know, so Roger <laughs> poked fun of us uh, on the last show about that, you know, uh, but it's a very true, a very true psychological operation to make uh, us uh, look at taking yeah. it uh, better. Now, yeah, that frees the company from liability in case I took a shot and I get sick and lose my medical. Now it's like, well, you know, oh, yeah. it's only voluntary. You, you took it. It's not my bad. Same thing uh, with, as you mentioned, Kyle, with companies and organizations. If I send you on a business trip and you contract COVID and, and get sick and die, and it's because I sent you on a business trip during a time when we're not supposed to be traveling, lockdown restrictions, all this stuff. Now the company becomes liable. And so to reduce liability with shots being available, it's like, well, it was you, you decided to go on the trip, you know, you had the shot, it's up to you. It was optional. You had the zoom call option. Once we get to the point where restrictions are no longer in place because we have enough people taking the shot, obviously, I mean, this is probably obvious to most people, but then the company will no longer be liable because it's like, well, there were no restrictions. So you know, we're just following what the, the government, the CDC and everyone else was saying. So you're absolutely right. Liability is is key to the decision making here. And ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back with more with Rob D, Kyle and Aviator Tony right after a quick break. You know, this week I wanted to mention that uh, I got a chance to fly with one of our previous guests, Paul. Uh, Paul, Captain Paul uh, was on the show back in August uh, of 2020. He and I were at the schoolhouse together. We did some recurrent training. Uh, Roger and Rob joined us in on that podcast. It's episode 54, Tomcat, or Tomcats, Top Gun, and Recurrent Flight Sims. It was a great podcast. One of the highest downloaded episodes that we have on the show. Uh, Paul is very well-spoken uh, Tomcat driver, a former Tomcat driver. And I got a text message the other day. I had this bear of a trip. So I had the guests here at the house for like 10 days. I didn't have to work. And then I had this bear of a trip. It was a five-day trip that started with a red eye to Fort Lauderdale from Los Angeles. And it was a 32-hour layover in, in Fort Lauderdale, but then at the rest of the time on day three, four, and five, it was go, 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 minimal rest, and even going into Canada, which has its own set of restrictions and hoops that you have to jump through with you know, QR codes and things of that nature. So I, I noticed that it was captain open, which means there was not a captain assigned to the trip. And then about four days prior, there was a captain assigned. And then the next day was captain open. And I thought, oh, these guys, maybe I should drop this trip too. Because it's it's kind of, it looks to be fatiguing. I can only imagine. So I ended up getting a text message about 24 hours prior to the trip from Paul saying, Tony, oh, we have to fly together. This is this is gonna be great. I haven't seen you in a while. I thought, oh, and I texted him back right away. I was like, uh, so did you volunteer for the punishment, or did they decide to punish you 
for the trip on their own. <laughs> and uh, he was like, no, man, I saw your, I saw your name. I was the next one to be called. So I was like, what the heck? I'll just, I'll just go ahead and pick it up. And I was like, oh, that's cool, man. That's great. This is going to be fun. And I, you know, I had a blast. Uh, Paul's a stand-up guy, uh, a pleasure to fly with, a pleasure to have long conversations with, uh, you know, and my hat's off to him. He, I told him, you need to get a, a special coin for uh, having to put up with me for five days and my ukulele. Cause now I'm carrying around a ukulele with me everywhere I go. Cause why not? Right. <laughs> I'm going to learn something new. So yeah, if you're interested in hearing about Paul's story, episode 54, Tom Katz, top gun and recurrent sim rights. I highly encourage you to give it a listen. Uh, but you know what we did is we had this long layover on the beach in Fort Lauderdale. I've never been, he had never been. And uh, we decided, Hey, you know what? we're going to be here uh, all, all day, all night. And then we don't leave until late day the next day. Let's go out and, you know, have a couple of brews and get a good meal in, maybe get some live music and meet some people. And we did. And in the middle of it all, you know, Paul's a little, a little uh, microphone shy, if I can say that, but in the middle of it all, we ended up recording just a quick 60 seconds. And I want to go ahead and play that for you right now. Viewer discretion is advised. Here we are, Aviator Tony here with Captain Paul on a layover in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, having a beer or two, enjoying our very long layover right on the beach, listening to some relatively good music. This is what a layover is all about. Good friends, good brew. Entertaining atmosphere, good people. How many people have we met tonight, Paul? You know, Tony, we must have met uh, probably over a dozen or so. And like you said, you summed it up correctly. It's good people, it's uh, a good place, it's, it's a good time for all. Absolutely. This is what it's all about, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy and stay tuned to Squawk Eyed In for much more exciting content. Well, that's my first uh, sound like fun. ever remote, oh. you know, recording there with my phone. Tony, you're gonna you're gonna give the raw the people the wrong uh, impression about our domestic flying with all these long layovers. Man. You know, every other layover was like 12, 13 hours, eleven hours in short. But says thirty-two hours in Fort Lauderdale. Talk about. I mean, yeah. we could have we could have done a lot of things. We could have even you know it, it was Fort Lauderdale. It wasn't Cocoa Beach, but we could have even been out on the on the sand watching airplanes from World War II uh, ditch in the water. <laughs> I yep. mean, that video, <laughs> those those videos keep coming in different angles. Everybody's got a, a cell phone recording studio in their pocket. And I've got to say, I was thoroughly impressed with the ability of that pilot to ditch that Grumman yeah. TBM Avenger so close to shore, not hurt anyone. You know, to the aircraft has now been removed from the water. It's, you know, it's all being documented online. Just an amazing job. And the memes coming out from when he's stepping out of the cockpit with his Bose headset, because I just bought this damn thing. I'm not going to get it wet. <laughs> you know, that was priceless. What, what are your yeah. thoughts on this? Uh, Kyle, let's start with you. 
Well, I, I, uh, you hit the nail right on the head, Tony. He did a great job uh, with uh, the situation going on. I believe he lost power uh, or some power to the, that big radial motor. Um, put it down uh, right off the beach. You have lots of people, lots of people washing because generally, you know, you get flybys there uh, when you're on the beach in Florida half the time anyway. Um, and then he put it down right in a, a area where there weren't a whole lot of people and um, di- he ditched it and uh, got out with his headsets and uh, did a really great job. Um, and, uh, I'm glad nobody got hurt. I'm glad, uh, they'll be able to restore the airplane. Um, and, uh, we'll probably see it out flying again uh, at some point once, uh, everything gets looked over and fixed. Yeah. Yeah. Rob, what was your favorite angle on that, uh, the video coverage? Well, I, like, uh, Kyle said, that was an awesome job by the, uh, by the pilot to get that plane down and uh, set it i mean he he skillfully set that thing right by the shoreline and uh you know judging by the video i mean the the water couldn't have been more than you know five or six feet deep there and uh you know so the plane was fully recoverable and it didn't hurt anybody um what what a great job i mean it kind of reminded me of uh, you know it's totally different uh settings and everything but you know sully doing his uh water landing there in in the hudson you know where he just skillfully landed that airplane um pretty much in the perfect spot you know of, of, of all the options available um yeah it'd be interesting to see you know what really happened to the airplane um and hope hopefully <laughs> hopefully it comes out that it's not pilot error <laughs> oh god <laughs> that brought the plane down i, I don't but even want to imagine yeah i don't think i don't think that'll happen i mean it, it looks like he had a uh, power plant problem there. So, um, man, yeah, but that was so cool that, you know, you had all those people there to, to video, uh, video, the, uh, uh, the landing, the ditching and, and, um, you know, (laughs) that Bose headset was priceless, dude. That was awesome. I mean, that's probably, that's probably a a good advertisement for Bose at some point. (laughs) Oh, you know, they're going to do a spread on that somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So if you're interested to follow up on this, uh, I'm going to put a link in the show notes. Uh, There's a a good article from planeandpilotmagazine.com that I'll link up. And in it, uh, it was an article written on April 19th yesterday uh, by Isabel Goyer. Uh, up, updated TBM crashes in surf near Cocoa Beach during an air show. New picks. Uh, they talk about the World War II era dive bomber, how it ditched. Um, the interesting part of this is, is the incident was not without controversy. However, at issue is the pilot's choice to do the forced landing where he did. Uh, from his perspective, he chose perfectly. But because the airplane apparently had no power. Uh, If he had needed to avoid people in the water, it's doubtful that he would have been able to do so. Not only that, but because forward visibility is so limited by the huge engine in the TBM, it's unlikely that the pilot could even see where he was preparing to set the plane down. Should he have gone further out from shore, she asks. So, you know, personally, I think he did a fantastic job. Um, Nobody was hurt, and that's more luck than anything else, because absolutely there's very, very little forward visibility in this aircraft. Um, but it does pose a couple interesting questions. Um, I think that to sit here and play Monday morning quarterback is not what 
we're about. I know the the three of us don't believe in that. Um, I think they did a fantastic job. The outcome is what it was. I'm not a what if kind of guy. Um, I like to have all my, you know, uh, wide angle lenses on so I can get the full big picture. But yeah, I, like, like Kyle said, and, and Rob as well, uh, fantastic job. Uh, and Rob, you did a little research on the TBM. Some pretty famous people have flown that type of aircraft. What did you find out? Yeah. Um, so I, I remember this, um, from a while ago. I, I was, I'm fly RC models all the time. And the TBM has one, always been one of my favorite, um, World War II airplanes. And, uh, so naturally just remembering some of the, uh, famous incidents that, that, um, happened to a TBM was that George H.W. Bush uh, flew the TBM in 1943, right before his 19th birthday, and uh, he was shot down on September 7th, I'm sorry, September 2nd, 1944, um, just over uh, by the Pacific Island of Chichijima. (laughs) Yeah, so it's not Hiwo Jima, it's Chichi Jima. Um, so anyways, he was uh, shot down, and notably he was able to release his payload and hit the radio tower target that was you know, part of his, his run before he was forced to bail out over the water. And um, uh, it says here his crewmate died, unfortunately, but he was able to be rescued by the uh, American USS submarine, USS Finback. So that was a pretty uh, pretty cool thing, and that kind of... They actually have um, black and white video of of President Bush being rescued out of the ocean, walking onto the submarine, and and as he walks by the camera, I mean, you're like, that's President Bush, you know? So that's pretty cool. And another thing about the airplane, completely separate incident, obviously, was uh, it it the uh, there was a flight of uh, I think five Avengers out of uh, Naval Air Station Fort Lauderdale. Um, in 1945, December 5th, that uh, got lost in the Bermuda Triangle. And so it was just kind of one of the biggest mysteries about the Bermuda Triangle was, you know, how do you, how do you lose five airplanes <laughs> you know, all at once? I guess uh, the Malaysian airplane is another big mystery <laughs> too, but we're talking about Avengers. But uh, yeah, five airplanes flew into the Bermuda Triangle and just never, you know, never returned home. Uh, nobody knows where they went, where they, uh, you know, where they ditched, if they did ditch. But, you know, um, rumor has it that they they uh, they lost orientation, navigation, and they couldn't figure out how to get back. So, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, there's that, actually that a TV really Avenger. good documentary. And I want to I want to say it was one of these Discovery Channel shows. I don't know if it was Air Disasters or what it was, but uh, they actually did a really good uh episode on the Bermuda Triangle disappearances of the uh, TBMs uh, with some reenactments and everything. Um, They think it could even be gas coming out from under the ocean from the tectonic plates and this whatever gas came up and caused all the engines to die. Uh, Or they they think maybe it was disorientation and possibly fuel starvation. Uh, It's a great uh, story. If you haven't heard about the uh, disappearing of the five uh, Avengers in the Bermuda Triangle is a great thing to look up. Something that yeah, you, uh, you know, you, you were talking about uh, senior president Bush senior 
um, and his his little adventure that he had with his Avenger. Um, but he, I didn't know this about him. He was our president. And, and one thing I didn't know is he received the Distinguished you know Flying president. Cross. Just yeah. yeah. I, I didn't know that he had that. I mean, that's a pretty cool thing to have. And yeah. then run for political yeah. well, office. That's a, sure. I, I would probably be. I think that's associated with the, uh, with the incident that he had. But uh, yeah. 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 That's huge. He, had, he received the Distinguished Flying Cross uh, after uh, the, the event that you, you think discussed. he gave it to himself after he was president or no, just kidding. <laughs> oh, that, oh, oh, I would. Uh-huh. No. <laughs> and now for all That's my bravery, back of all the war I've decided yeah, to pin this bravery. on myself. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's oh, awesome. That's just a joke. Well, thank you for, for looking <laughs> that into is, that. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, that's awesome. Pretty, pretty cool, you know, thing to see. The The footage is amazing. Anybody that is connected yeah. to the Matrix has seen videos from multiple angles. Uh, another thing you can do is uh, if you're on Facebook, go to the Aviation Information Board and uh, Kyle's page there, and there's some links there. It's absolutely a good place to find your aviation information. Speaking yeah, that's of, where I get all mine from. Yeah, me too. You know, I, I really, I really do. Um, speaking of, I saw something on there yesterday, and I went, "Oh, thank goodness!" The uh, we t- we kind of hinted about this at the beginning of the show. Beverage service returns May first. Da, 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 da. Delta, American, and Legacy Airlines as well are gonna start bringing back the drunkards. <laughs> From one mile at a time, they've got an article uh, about Delta Airlines and how they are uh, going to be bringing back the food service on their flights. So <laughs> beverage service is returning uh, yeah, May 1st. Uh, and from an article from one mile at a time, Delta Airlines will be restoring in-flight service. Virtually all major airlines have reduced service during the pandemic in order to minimize contact between flight attendants and passengers and save money. And also to maximize the amount of time passengers spend with their mask on. That's very true. So they're bringing it back. Uh, they just announced that uh, they'll be improving their in-flight service in the coming weeks. The timing of this is no coincidence, as Delta will stop blocking seats as of May 1st as well. On top of that, they're going to make it easier to earn Sky Mile medallion status in 2021. So they're currently serving water, and if you ask for water and, and coffee, and that's about it. Uh, now they're uh, going to be offered snack bags in addition to the regular service. Um, that's great. That's absolutely great. Uh, American offers uh, similar things like snack bags, but here comes now the drink cart and the alcohol and the buy on board options. And maybe us pilots can get something other than a stale mystery meat sandwich with mystery spread and mystery stomach issues. Yeah. (laughs) Get your cheese. Yeah. I kind of like the new thing we're getting up there. The, the boiled egg. You guys have seen that on your plane? Just this week. Yeah. Um, 
giving giving hard boiled I eggs mean, to pilots as they're flying along the country for hours on I end know. seems kind of counterproductive. Yeah, personally, Same yeah, but like airplane from a health sushi. perspective, that's pretty good, man. The, the boiled eggs, the uh, Captain, are you enjoying uh, your egg? I can smell it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I need to start packing a little bit of hot sauce, Tabasco, and put on it. That'd be great. Well, if you, what you do is, you know, you have the egg and then open up one of those little alcohol wipes and then wave it in the air and it helps yeah, alleviate some of the. Uh... I'm just, I'll be excited when we get the hot meals again. I, you know, flying the 190 out of the Northeast, we, uh, all it was was cold meals. There was no ovens and finally yeah. getting back to the big airport. Yes. I get a full course meal and you know, and Nope. Nope. Sorry. Everything hit. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing is, you know, I, I honestly, I actually don't feel well if I eat that sandwich. Um, I, I don't know what's in it that doesn't agree with me. Uh, it's been over a year that that is the only thing they give us other than a cheese tray. Uh, now they give us a cheese tray with a hard boiled egg in it. Thank you. Um, but it, it not only is the redundancy of this, you know, airline supplied crew meal, um, a, a little, it gets old, it gets, it gets kind of stale. Um, I, I don't feel good afterwards. And the last thing I want to do is be at the command of an aircraft and not feel well. So I have elected to skip those meals unless it's dire, um, and, and yeah. pick up food where I am. And most of the time that's at the airport. And as we mentioned, those food lines are getting longer and food options, although more and more airports are opening uh, their their restaurant option businesses up, they're still not at full capacity. And so I, I foresee flight delays in the future because your crews needed to get a meal break. And it's like, well, we supply you with food. Yeah, but you don't want me to feel upset, you know while I'm trying to fly you and in, into around weather, you know? So we got to divert yeah. somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And it yeah, could you happen. Know, I, I kind of the same way. I, I don't even, I don't eat it unless I'm hungry, you know, like super hungry. And especially if it's a long day and, you know, kind of, if I get it like on the first, uh, you know, the first leg of the trip of that trip, I'll kind of just like not touch it. You know, when we get to the, uh, to the turn area, if I can get a, uh, a sandwich or something i'll buy it there or if i bring one along you know but it's kind of there if we <laughs> divert or i'm in a mayday situation with food and i'm like all right i'm gonna dig into it yeah yep same i bring my uh bring my famous peanut butter sandwich yeah <laughs> pilot food i love the jar of jiff yeah. and some wonder bread <laughs> Exactly. So, For a while, I was calling our cheese trays. Um, Nick named them Alpo. You know, like the dog food. And I said, like, "Yeah, you know what the Alpo means? It's an acronym for Airline Pilot Hors d'Oeuvres." <laughs> Even though hors d'oeuvres ends with an H, starts with an H, but hors d'oeuvres, <laughs> perfect. Hors d'oeuvres. Hors d'oeuvres. Yeah. yeah. You know, we got yeah. some other exciting news here, um, and I immediately forwarded this article to Roger who couldn't make it today uh, on the show. Um, what that was, was uh, Express Jet is coming back. Can you believe this? Uh, I got an article. I'll link it in the show notes here. Express Jet plans to come back this spring. First thing you're asking yourselves right now, where are they going to get the pilots? Are they going to be hiring off the street? Are they going to recall? What, what's going on? 
Good question. The article goes on to say that ExpressJet is ready to return to the skies. The carrier plans to launch independent service this spring, according to a recent DOT filing, growing its fleet of Embraer ERJ-145 airplanes to serve short-haul markets. The carrier suspended flight operations on the 30th of September 2020 as United Airlines moved all of the ERJ operations away from the carrier. The rest of 2020 was spent returning aircraft as part of the wind down of United Express operations. But the company kept one ERJ-145 and is now ready to press it into service along with nine others it plans to lease in the first year of operations. This is really good news. Um, love to see this carrier come back. Hopefully it'll come back uh, and, and gain some momentum. Now, the base of operations for their branded flying was Ontario, California. Uh, don't know where the, the new base of operations is going to be and what market and, and whatnot. Uh, but it appears that they'll be planning daily service in all markets, growing two to three times daily as the fleet expands. The company does not anticipate selective day operations. So the article, again, will be linked in the show notes. But yeah, good job to them. Yeah, it's kind of like they uh, went dormant for a while and <laughs> they're going to they're going to come out as a, you know, they went in as a little uh, caterpillar and they're going to come out as a butterfly. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. It will be interesting to see with ExpressJet because it, it sounds like they're going to do something similar to the new carrier breeze where they're going to yeah. go after the uh, the smaller markets and uh, yep. uh, see what happens with that. Yeah. Um, and I hadn't seen anything. Uh, 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 they've kept it pretty quiet on um, who they're going to hire. I'm, I'm, I'm expecting recall rights uh, yeah. um, with those uh, employees, and uh, just nothing's uh, been uh, updated to the public yet. Quite uh, or how they're going to proceed with all that quite yet, but it will be updated on uh, the aviation. Uh, Business Information Board, uh, uh, as uh, as those uh, that information uh, becomes public record. Yep, keep an eye on AIB. So speaking of ExpressJet yeah. coming back, and you know, a lot of what I've been seeing, especially on social media posts, is this company's hiring and that company's hiring, and you get a job and you get a job. So it's very exciting. You know, at the beginning of this pandemic we, here on the show, we were talking about this, what we called a, a rubber band effect recovery or a V-shaped recovery. Uh, we didn't expect it to really have such an impact on our industry at the beginning of all this. Um, I, I know we did a lot of shows, uh, even one was called Don't Panic, um, you know, and we've all had been affected here. Uh, in this in this uh, industry, so it's it's very good to see that there is a recovery effort taking place right now as we speak. Um, and Kyle uh, was kind enough to send me a link, which I'll put in the show notes from Airline Pilot Central. Um, and AirlinePilotCentral.com is a wonderful resource uh, for any aspiring pilots or pilots that are just you know curious about what airline has how many pilots and what they're getting paid and what's their contract like and how many aircraft do they have in their fleet and who's the most junior captain is one of my favorites 
informations from there. So in this list, now the list, as Kyle mentioned, is is not 100% up to date, but Airline Pilot Central does update uh, their stuff on a daily basis. And uh, some of these carriers are haven't been updated in a while and, and not even in service, but uh, pretty inspiring to see how many carriers around the world are hiring. Uh, you've got such a big list uh, hiring as of 316, 2021, Air Wisconsin. Uh, continuing down, Ameristar Cargo. Um, let's see, Cutter Flight Management hiring. Freight Runners Express hiring. Global Crossings Airlines hiring. Grandview Aviation. Some of uh, some of the. Uh, Bigger carriers as well, United, Delta, hiring. Um, great list of, of carriers. I mean, a lot of these I've never even heard of, didn't yeah. even know. But if you're a CFI building your time and you're now looking to, you know, take the next step and, and you're starting to say, well, they're hiring, I should put my application out. This is a great resource to go to. And to take a look to see who's hiring, maybe there's an airline or a charter operation or a cargo operation in your area that you had no idea. So definitely check it out. Good to see. Good to hear. Yeah. Speaking of hiring, United, I mean, my God, they're following suit here. Their uh, recent article uh, caught my eye. Uh, indicating that United is going to hire pilots with no experience whatsoever to its new academy. And Rob and I were talking about this before the show. It's like, well, if you have no experience, don't you go to a flight school to get it? Well, the thing here is United actually has its own academy now. Well, according to an article that I found uh, from WTHR 13, actually, I found it on the AIB, the Aviation Information Board, United to train pilots with no experience at its new academy. They will borrow an approach used elsewhere, legacy, by taking people at the beginning of their flying career and training them at its own academy. It says that United will train about 5,000 pilots this decade, including talking on or taking on applicants with no flying experience and plans uh, for half of them to be women or people of color. United will borrow an approach used elsewhere, notably at Germany's Lufthansa, by taking people at the beginning of their flying career and training them at its own facility, which it bought last year. United will continue to draw pilots from traditional sources, such as the military, however. Airline officials say that they will begin accepting applicants for United's Flight Academy on Tuesday. That's, wait a minute, today. Hey, all you uh, listeners yeah. out there. Oh, even, even my cat. Thinks it's great. Even the cat's happy. Heck yeah. <laughs> uh, the subject of a pilot shortage, it is not universally accepted that one exists, by the way, but it was uh, discussed in the airline industry before the pandemic hit and then receded as airlines around the world grounded airplanes and reduced their pilot ranks in response to the plunge in air travel. But now that it's on the rebound... You know, it's all coming back and it hasn't quite returned to the 2019 levels, but 
you know, it's it's definitely on the uptick. We're seeing those TSA numbers that Kyle so diligently posts every single day on his page. Uh, over a million, one million, two daily. This is steady. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, over at Legacy Airlines, the last intercompany email that I read indicated we we're at what 75, 76% capacity from pre-pandemic numbers. This is great. Yep. So <laughs> let me let the cat out. <laughs> the cat's the like cat's Hooray! out of the bag. The cat is out of the bag, ladies and gentlemen. Bag, yeah, baby. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that's exciting news because we did, we uh, like you said, the rubber band effect. We we knew this was coming. Um, there was no no way to avoid it. I mean, we know we knew our industry is not going to just crumble under under the uh, pandemic and go away and and disappear. I mean, we're we're essential to uh, you know the commerce of the country and the world, and it was just a matter of time. Uh, for our industry to recover, and um, and uh, we we have uh, thousands of retirements coming up, just in our company alone, let alone you know other U.S. carriers and you know carriers across the globe. So, um, you know, the hiring was just you know either slowed down or just put on pause for a few months, and um, you know now we know that they're hiring. Their uh, other companies are recalling all their furloughs. Um, and it's just going to be, you know, probably, you know, we're going to be crazy hiring here. I don't know how the training departments are going to actually handle this kind of stuff. Uh, cause, uh, you know, it, it's going to be very, very big business for them over the next couple of years. And, um, you know, just, it's just good to see, you know, especially for our young careers, you know, all these programs that all these carriers have set up just shows you that they're in it for the long term it's a long-term investment um all these zero time uh uh students coming in um by the time they get to a a big carrier it's going to be three to five years depending on how quickly they get ratings and build flight time and uh, kind of go up the ladder at uh, certain regionals before they can even get to a big carrier. And so, uh, like you said, Rob, with all the, all the retirements um, and that's what I've told a lot of the, uh, the cadets at uh, our legacy cadet program, uh, similar to what United's doing um, is that this is just uh this is just a bump in the road that we have to get through. And, um, uh, nothing has really changed because even though their airplane retirements were reducing, the the flight schedules from last year, um, the retirement, the mandatory retirement age hasn't changed. And that was the, um, that was the biggest deal was, uh, they're still going to need to fill seats at a certain point uh, once demand starts returning. And once you hit 65, you're, you're, you're forced to retire. Uh, And, uh, and the airlines are still playing catch up from uh, what was that? 2009 where they raised the retirement age from 60 to 65. And, um, all the regional guys that were trying to 
come up, uh, had to stay at the regional level for another five years because the, the FAA raised that. And, uh, and in the meantime, uh, nobody um, thought ahead. <laughs> and uh, now everybody's playing catch up because they didn't want to, there were no programs set up back when thinking ahead uh, that they needed pilots yeah. to still fill the seats at a certain Yeah. From point. what I remember, the industry was, uh, was very uh, hesitant to acknowledge mm-hmm. what they called a pilot shortage. And, you know, some of it called it a pilot shortage. Some people called it a pay shortage. You remember that whole kind of battle between the, the two terms and everything like that. But, uh, and I think you're, you know, I didn't mean to interrupt, but basically whatever it is, it, it's going to amount to less pilots and the need for more. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> we've combated a little bit of the pilot shortage. You know, you raised a good point, Rob. Uh, we were screaming pilot shortage prior to the big bankruptcy that legacy had. And then the merger and the company tried to come back saying, uh, you guys are going to accept these concessionary contracts and you're going to like it. And we're like, wait a minute. At a time when there's a pilot shortage, you're going to do And they're like, what? We don't see a pilot shortage. What are you talking about? It was because yeah. there was a, a shortage um, in the industry at the, at the low end of the industry, the regional jobs, the corporate jobs. And those did not trickle up to the legacy carriers. But here we are now um, yeah. with all these retirements, all the people t- that took early out, you know, that that increased that uh that evacuation of the top load of the pilot group so yeah Yeah. definitely uh definitely an issue that uh yeah that is now going to start rearing its ugly head and like you said kyle you knew then that this was going to happen you knew then but you chose not to do anything because that costs money yeah and so now it's going to be a reaction instead of proaction yeah so yeah you know, it, it's, it seems to me also that, you know, with, along the same lines is that the, uh, you know, whenever all this stuff was happening uh, with, you know, pilot shortage, pay shortage, whatever, there's always, you know, something that's more prevalent in the industry that's going on. So this, you know, these kind of issues kind of get shoved, shoved off to the side and, you know, we'll deal with that when, when, when the time is needed and here we are, yep. you know, it's. It's, it's we're here. at the very cusp and, of it, and it's gonna be. Yep. It's gonna get busy real quick. Um, my hats off to yep. United for uh, taking these initial steps. Uh, the debate on what they're doing in terms of diversity and inclusion uh, is gonna be interesting yeah. to follow. Uh, I do understand yep. that this is a industry that is primarily made up of white males. Um, yep. A bit of that is because of history. Because it's all military pilots that uh, was the the number one candidate for this job, and yeah. that has changed. Times have changed. Um, that is no longer the case. So what we're doing now is trying to be more diverse and more inclusive in terms yeah. of our hiring. Um, but what yeah. needs to happen is we need to get more uh, women and minority uh, groups 
into aviation. Yeah, interested. You know, because if, yeah. if they're not interested and it's just going to continue down, well, my dad and my grandfather was a pilot, so I'm going to be a pilot. Well, that's great, but that's going to be more white males yeah. in terms of the numbers. So, yeah. Yeah, interesting yeah, to they see. they got to be careful about that because it's going to be, you know, because we all know that this this job is very a skilled job, you know, so you need you need to have the training, you need to have the education, you need to have, you know, the skill to do the job and basing it based on, you know, different metrics can be a touchy thing, you know. Yeah, you're, uh, you don't want to hire just because based on that metric. You want to hire yeah. somebody that has met the qualifications. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I know it's a government thing, but I, I think the best thing that every company could do out there, just, you know, even outside the aviation program, you take out the, the sex, the race, the religion, you, you take out everything. Yeah. And everybody's a number. You yep. don't know who you are. They don't know who you are until you yep. walk into the door that that first that interview. And at that point, that interview is that interviewees to lose because at that point you got called. You met every qualification America, yeah. that we require, and uh, you know, Jill uh such and such from Alabama, uh, came yeah. in, she met all this stuff, and then. Billy Bob from somewhere else, you know, and yeah. uh, Jose from, so, it, it's just, it, you won't know till they show up through the door. Pat. Uh, yeah. You're, exactly. You know, the, so, Patricia, the ASAP program, <laughs> the ASAP program so, and the, you know, the, all that stuff, whenever you file an ASAP, the information is de-identified. Because they want, mm -hmm. they want to only know what happened. They don't want to know, who, oh, this pilot again. You know, they don't want to know that. So it's all been de-identified. And there's a reason for that. And then once they need to follow up, then they'll re-identify the information. I think the hiring process, Kyle, I think you hit, you know, you're onto something there. Um, the hiring process should be the same. It could be like the voice, man. It's like the blind audition. It's like where you go in there yeah. and you talk about your stuff. And then when, once you yeah. get past the HR interview, they're like, Oh, we like this person. Then the chair turns and yep. then you get to see who the person, that's the only yep. way really that's you're going to do a, a awesome. fair yeah. quality yeah. Uh, hiring process. Uh, and without, yeah. yeah, like the sim, like the sim portion, I can see it. You know, the, uh, the check airman's got his chair turned and all he's looking at is all the, you know the how how dialed in on the crosshairs are they airspeed you know altitude and then oh that was a great ILS who was it you know oh wow it's you yeah it's a 13 year old girl from Taiwan yeah. <laughs> oh my god yeah, a little monkey a with pilot. a banana going yeah, more bananas please Microsoft flight sim sir that's how I learned yeah no kidding <laughs> yeah single pilot too what yeah. <laughs> Well, gentlemen, you know, this has been a great conversation today. I know, Rob, uh, we're getting tight on time. So let's uh, let's just go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you've enjoyed this episode, please do your part and help us out. Leave us a review on the uh, the uh, Apple podcast, the Google podcast, Spotify, whatever, wherever you're listening. Uh, it really does help us out. Uh, Rob, any final thoughts before we wrap it up? No, just thanks for having me on again, Kyle. It's uh, good to hear from you. And, um, you know, I like what you're doing there on your uh, aviation uh, business um, uh, media page. Um, and uh, I, hopefully everybody has a good week, good month, fly safe and um, get back to some kind of normalcy on the flight line. Yeah. Yeah, and Kyle, thank you again for joining us today, uh, filling in for Captain Ro uh, Captain Roger, who uh, who couldn't make it with his extremely extremely busy schedule. 
Um, so I do appreciate you, your input and having you on board again in aviation information board on Facebook. Great, great page to follow. And uh, if you're interested in a Baron, send us a, an email. Uh, we'll get you some more contact information about that. And Kyle, any last words? Fee. Sorry. You guys are good. Thank you for having me. I've had fun. It's been a blast. And uh, once again, if uh, all the latest and greatest uh, news, check out uh, the Aviation uh, Information Board on Facebook on the page. And uh, we'll see everybody out on the flight line. Absolutely. And thank you to all of the frontline workers out there. The doctors, nurses, pharmacists, EMTs, medical techs, firefighters, law enforcement, grocery store employees, truck drivers, Amazon workers, and of course, all the airline employees that show up to work every day to provide the essential services that they do. You know, airplanes are getting full, air, airports are packed, and the lines are long. So come prepared, ladies and gentlemen. Again, if you're enjoying Squawk Ident, make sure to follow us and follow the show. Subscribe. Check us out on the socials. Check us out on the website, aviatortony.com, Alpha Victor, the number eight, Romeo Tango, Oscar November Yankee.com. You'll find audio archives, photos from the flight line, the Squawk Ident pilot shop, and the guest book photo tab as well. You can also contribute to the show financially and help us keep Squawk Ident on the air. Right there on the homepage, there's a link, and you can do a one time donation or a monthly donation as well, all through the website there or PayPal or however, however you can donate would be fantastic. We truly believe we're offering some value here and anything you can do would help us out. One final thank you to Kyle Jensen for joining us on the show again today. Uh, love to have you, love to have you back. And thanks again for all that you do. Thank you. Thanks for making it a great show, Kyle. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, uh, sorry that I was late this morning with the uh, the baby. Hey, but, no worries, uh, man. You you're on diaper <laughs> patrol, man. That's that takes precedence. Yeah, we've all been there, done that. Priorities, yeah. we got it <laughs> for sure. And thank you to the listener for taking the time to listen to these grateful aviators. Keep the dirty side down out there. Be safe and take care of each other. Bye, y'all. See ya. See ya. Good show, gentlemen. Good show. Yeah, okay. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Cut it short. I got to roll. Yeah, get out of here. My kids are school. I know, right? All right. See you, Rob. See you, Take care. Thanks, Rob. See ya. See ya. See ya.